I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. On this episode of Newt's World, for decades it's been an open secret that colleges and universities are filled with far-left professors who use their classrooms to force anti-American and progressive ideologies onto students. In his new book, The College Scam, How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of America's Youth, Charlie Kirk puts the college industry on trial with a 10-count indictment of why academia has lost all credibility. Here to talk about his new book, I'm really pleased to welcome my friend and my guest, Charlie Kirk, He is the founder and president of Turning Point USA, the largest and fastest growing conservative youth activist organization in the country. He's also a number one New York Times bestselling author and host of The Charlie Kirk Show, which is both a podcast and a radio show. Charlie, welcome and thank you for joining me on Newt's World. Mr. Speaker, an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Now, I understand you are coming off a huge weekend for Turning Point USA with the annual Student Action Summit, or SAS, and you really had some amazing speakers there, including Senator Ted Cruz, Dr. Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Laura Ingram, just to name a few. It sounds like it was a great weekend. It was. It was extraordinary. We had 5,000 students from all across the country, all 50 states represented, And our sister organization, our political arm, Turning Point Action, hosted uh, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Donald Trump spoke for nearly two hours, and a person did not move in the entire room for two hours. It was something to see. And then we did a straw poll that was really interesting. And 
Donald Trump won 78% of the vote when the question was asked, who is your preference for 2024? But the next question was equally as interesting. If Trump does not run, who is then your choice? And Ron DeSantis won 83% of that vote. And so that really goes to show that it is Donald Trump's party, but Ron DeSantis has a major future. And regardless of what he does, you know, some people said, oh, DeSantis lost. No, Trump won more than DeSantis losing because 83% as a second choice, that's unheard of. It's extraordinary. Well, I mean, my view is that Trump and DeSantis dominate 2024 in a way that people don't understand yet, that whoever is number three, and then Mike Pence currently comes in, you know, like at 9%, and then nobody else is above 1% or 2%, and they don't get it yet. I mean, and the news media helps. Trump, of course, is just a phenomenon who's now been around long enough that he's an event in his own right. But DeSantis has done such an amazing job both of governing Florida and of picking the right fights, that it seems to me he's really penetrating as a guy who may well be, if for any reason Trump did not run, DeSantis, I think, would be the prohibitive frontrunner. And I think it says a lot about your organization that you have that caliber of people showing up and eager to talk with your folks. Well, thank you. It's been a lot of work for about a decade. And, you know, I want to say this, this poll's a little different than most because these are the workers. I mean, you know how campaigns work. You need the people that are going to show up at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning and be willing to knock on doors and put together yard signs. That's the type of people that show up at our events. And so it goes to show the absolute grassroots of the party, not the passive listeners, but the active participants. They're 100% behind Trump coming into 2024. Well, not 100%. Let me say 78.7% behind Trump. Let's put it that way, which is still overwhelming, rather extraordinary. Yeah. So take a minute for our audience and tell us about Turning Point USA, which is an astonishing achievement on your part. Yeah, thank you. It's been about 10 years of work. Started when I was 18 years old. Didn't go to college and did this actually instead which actually kind of leads into part of the thesis of the book. But our whole premise is that we live in the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world. And we believe we are making a series of decisions through how we're educating our children or not educating them, I should say, to go in the wrong direction. And our mission is to try to restore the American constitutional republic through an engaged citizenry, primarily through student engagement and education. We're on pace to have over 1,000 high school chapters, an extraordinary number. Just this last weekend at our Student Action Summit, we had over 300 new chapter signups just there alone and over 650 college campus signups, which is a pretty considerable number. So it speaks for itself to get 5,000 students for anything in the room is a big accomplishment, let alone in Tampa, Florida in the summer when it's super expensive to travel to get kids from all 50 states. That's a big accomplishment, but the credit goes to our staff and God's been so good to us. We feel immensely blessed. So as you've been building this, you also have a very close relationship with Prager University. Explain that. Yeah, I'm very close with PragerU, and I'm even closer to Dennis Prager. I have to say, Dennis Prager is a mentor of mine and is just fabulous. He's taught me so much. I love his books. And I'll tell you, you know, actually, Dennis Prager was the first person to say what I argue in the book as forcefully as he did. I always believed it. But someone who is as educated as Dennis Prager really kind of gave me the confidence to articulate that. But PragerU is a great partner for us. They do phenomenal work online, some of the best videos, educational video content, and we're great partners in this fight for liberty. So 
when you use their videos, I mean, how does that work out? We help distribute them. So we have millions and millions of followers on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. And so we do partnerships to help distribute their videos and content. And I can tell you that some of the top talent at Prager University comes and speaks at our university campus events and some of the things we do. And I kind of make the analogy that Prager University is the Air Force and we're the Marines. So they're the ones that kind of come in with the chalk and awe. And we're the ones that are kind of going foxhole to foxhole. Both are necessary to kind of win this culture war. And so we're honored and touched by that. And the contribution Dennis Prager has made to my life is enormous. So one of the things you've done at Turning Point USA is you've developed this professor watch list where students can expose the bias on their campuses. Walk us through that. Yeah, this used to be a pretty controversial project. I say used to be because even some people on the right gave me some criticism when I launched this project back in 2016, where effectively we named the names of some of the most radical faculty members of academia in the country. And Mr. Speaker, this was best on display when you saw Senator Hawley's back and forth with Professor Kiera Bridges from UC Berkeley just a couple weeks ago, where she was basically berating him as the expert witness that he's transphobic because he does not believe that men can become pregnant. There's examples of that happening all across the country. We use factual third-party documentation, local school student newspapers, video evidence. And look, the criteria is this, is we believe if you're a forcefully anti-American academic that is going out of the way to indoctrinate your class, not educate your class, then you win a place on our professor watch list. Some of them consider it to be a badge of honor. Others find it to be you know, a little bit less than they love it. But the idea of the professor watch list has always been about information to give students, parents, board members, and donors the information they need to make informed decisions about what's happening on university campuses. So is it your experience that, for example, students will actually look at the list in terms of who to avoid? Yes and no. It's actually had the bigger impact with donors to universities. And so we have a side project of the professor watch list called Divest U, which tries to encourage conservative donors to stop giving money to their alma mater, especially some of these bigger liberal schools. And so we've actually tracked over $126 million that we've helped divest from some of these universities, thanks to the professor watch list. For example, you know, if a professor will come out to say, I don't know, at a school Tulane, that you might be familiar with, of course, joking around, and they come out and they say something radically anti-American, you know, a Tulane donor might say, maybe I shouldn't give that million dollars to the university. Maybe I should direct it in another place. That's really where we've seen the biggest success. And students also, it's helped with some of their, let's say, faculty choices as well. So as I understand it, you have seen firsthand college campuses trying to censor opposing viewpoints, namely you. I mean, I've been told that in the fall of 2019, faculty members and staff at the University of Nevada, Reno, actually circulated a petition against Turning Point USA titled, quote, Concerning White Nationalism on the University of Nevada, Reno campus. What was that all about? This happens all the time. Thankfully, that's a public school, so they didn't have any sort of legal ability to shut us down. But this goes to show the kind of petulance that has infected the American academy. Higher education should be and used to be a place of a marketplace of ideas, let the best ideas win. But imagine being a college professor and you have a doctorate and the best use of your time, you believe, is circulating a petition saying, 
that we don't want a guest speaker to come give a 90-minute optional lecture in a building that really is hard to find on campus, by the way, that you have to wait in line to go into. But what was amazing about that event and so many of our events is we can't find rooms big enough to fit all the students that want to actually attend our lectures. You know, whether it be CU Boulder or UC Berkeley, I speak all across the country, and we do see this pattern. The pattern is there are a lot of students that want to attend our speeches. It's just hard to be able to find the physical rooms to fit them all in there. And so, look, the professors, in some ways, they're a little bit of a distraction. I mean, they obviously have a lot of power, but we push through it. Unfortunately, universities such as Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, they were successful in canceling our appearance there a couple years ago. But thankfully, we've kind of found a way to navigate that, but it doesn't come as a great shock to us. So, as I understand, though, back at the University of Nevada, Reno petition, Kamala Harris, when she was a presidential candidate, actually signed the petition. That's right. Yeah, she signed the petition and she did an event there. And this should have been a harbinger of things to come. But our event was much bigger than Kamala Harris's event, despite the fact it was right on the California border and that she was a presidential candidate. Our attendance far exceeded hers. So as I gather, I mean, you mean you're a famous person now and you've really become a national figure. But if you're a normal, everyday conservative student, I understand that in a number of these left-leaning colleges, you really do face discrimination. What are the kind of reports you get? I could mention several. Actually, one involves Tulane, believe it or not. You keep coming back to my alma mater here. No, I do that, you know, only just to make it relevant. I'll use one. UC Berkeley, for example, one of our students a couple years ago, a guy by the name of Harrison was punched in the face and knocked out cold. You might have remembered that video. It went super viral at the time. And look, I could go through some of the violence of people that you know, get bear sprayed on campus or physical threats or have the tables overturned. But it's actually the less sexy news stories that happen more often, which is students that get graded differently, that get kicked out of fraternity sororities, that get bullied, that lose friends. That sort of soft power is much more prevalent, I should say, and I think poses a greater cultural threat. And what's so remarkable, if you kind of tie it all together with what we are doing at our Student Action Summit at Turning Point USA is you have 5,000 students there that are publicly making a declaration that they want their life to be harder in the short term. That's an extraordinary thing where they say, I know the backlash. I know that people are going to be you know, treating me differently, but I'm okay with that. That's a sign that the conservative movement, I think, is strengthening from the bottom up. What I'm impressed with is not only are you doing this on college campuses, but you now have a school board watch list that goes right at the heart of where the teachers union and left is trying to change our schools. How has that developed? It's been a phenomenal project. So it's all about awareness. So people can find it at schoolboardwatchlist.org. It's a 24-7-365 surveillance project, basically, where a donor funded it, and we have three full-time people, and their full-time job is to look at school board meetings all day long. That's all they do. They just look at what's being passed, because who has the time to wait till 2 a.m.? to look at some of these guys. So for example, you know, Loudoun County is the one that gets all the notoriety, but at Scottsdale Unified School District in Arizona, we found that they were trying to push queer theory and CRT and, you know, being able to have our eyes on it, we then notify local parents groups and spread the awareness. And so basically the school board watch list, our goal by the end of the year, we'll have 750 school districts that we have eyes on, that we are monitoring and that we're publishing. And our whole goal with the school board watch list is to be able to have parents have the information necessary to keep the pressure on their local government schools. 
And so I'm a big fan of charter schools. I'm a big fan of private schools and homeschooling. But one of my big concerns is that if we as conservatives build all these new institutions, we're going to just forget the public schools altogether. I believe we have to keep the pressure on to reform however we can, and we can leave no child behind. I know that saying that phrase puts a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, kind of post-Bush, but it's true. They're all our fellow countrymen. They're all our fellow citizens. And I think engagement and involvement in the local school issue is imperative. I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's very important for us to recognize that our Declaration of Independence says that all of us are endowed by our Creator, and we can't turn our back on anybody who has an endowment from God. I mean, I think it's a very important reassessment of conservatism to insist that it has to care about everybody. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. I do want to note that your very first book was entitled The MAGA Doctrine, The Only Ideas That Will Win the Future. And that became a number one Amazon and New York Times bestseller. So first of all, I just want to congratulate you as a guy who's written a fair number of books. I think it's pretty darn impressive when you get launched from the New York Times with number one. Well, thank you. And they did so reluctantly and begrudgingly. And I will have to say, though, I was given a little unfair advantage because President Trump seemed to like that book a lot. And he promoted it heavily that week. And so it was a blowout, but thank you. And that book is just as applicable today as it was back then. When I did my best 
to really try to articulate the philosophical base of Trumpism. You wrote a very similar book, Mr. Speaker, but I liked that term, the MAGA doctrine. It was a playoff of obviously the Monroe Doctrine in the 1820s that kind of reconfigured hemispheric geopolitical dynamics. I think that President Trump did something very similar where I think he reasserted kind of Western civilization as the ideal for all humanity. And so anyway, it was a big accomplishment. So thank you for that. Yeah, that was great. But now your new book has a much more complicated title, The College Scam, How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of America's Youth. Very interesting word. How is college a scam? I get some interesting feedback on this. You know, I'm very pro-learning and I think everyone decent is or that strives to be decent is and I'm very pro-education. What we're seeing, though, if you really dive into the numbers, and I've been thinking about this for over a decade since starting Turning Point USA, the numbers are extraordinary. I'll share a couple of them. For example, 40% of people that enter and enroll in college will drop out, 40%. So if I said, hey, Newt, let's go get dinner tonight. Oh, by the way, you have a 40% chance of getting food poisoning. You'd say, wait a second, what kind of restaurant is this? Not to mention then, if they graduate, over half of all college graduates end up getting their long-term career in a job that does not require a college degree, and 65% end up getting a job in a different profession or different field than their college degree actually was. And so we have this mounting student loan crisis, heavily subsidized by the American taxpayer. We have these incredible, enormous endowments that are untouched that while tuition continues to go up. And not to mention, of course, the societal and the cultural cost, which I spend a fair amount of time in this book making the argument that almost every bad idea that you now see being taken seriously by the left was incubated and perfected and message tested in the American university. And I make the argument happens on college campuses, does not stay on college campuses, it goes to corporate boardrooms and the halls of Congress. And so I believe that, of course, college is necessary for some people, but the vast majority of young people that are going to college, I do not think should be going. In fact, I think if they didn't at all, America would be in a much better place. You know, somebody asked me the other day, and I didn't really have as good an answer as I should have. How did the slide to this kind of brainwashing, hypocritical, left-wing approach, how did this suddenly catalytically come together so it's the news media, it's the college campuses, it's the C-suites of the big corporations? Suddenly they all kind of gelled. What's your theory of that? I have a couple answers. You know, the first time I ever heard the name Saul Alinsky was when you were running for president and you accused Obama of being an Alinskyite. And I was like, who is this guy? I was 18 years old in high school. I remember you doing that. You went around and said, this guy's an Alinsky. I said, who the heck is Saul Alinsky? And one of Alinsky's rules or one of his tactics was infiltration. And this is something that the left was very good at for years. It's one of the reasons why I think we're going to really destroy the left is they're actually disobeying Alinskyite commandments, which is Alinsky would always say that the true radical wears a three-piece suit and slowly and surely inserts himself into a pre-existing institution, and then the, he is a radical. It's not the person in the street throwing Molotov cocktails. I think they're kind of breaking Alinsky's rules. But to answer the question, this combination is really, they have figured out that the left is best at infiltration. And primarily, this combination, I think, my thesis, is something that people don't talk about enough. HR departments. I believe HR departments could be blamed largely for diversity, equity, inclusion, for wokeism, 
for the overemphasis on affirmative action, for the weakening of American corporate culture. And men and the HR departments are filled with college-minded activists that come in and they see their purpose not as making money or turning a profit, but putting forward some sort of social justice agenda. That would be my working theory, not to mention, though, they almost all live in harmony that their goal is to continue the revolution towards some form of a utopia. So, I mean, this utopianism, I think, in part is buffered and protected and coddled by the fact that if you look at the 10 wealthiest universities in the U.S., they collectively have over $200 billion in their endowments. If these guys want to really believe in taxing the rich, maybe they ought to be the first groups we tax. Yes. So I say in the book that American colleges have become hedge funds with a school attached. And they have these massive albatross of money that is tax-free, by the way. And then now we, the American taxpayer, have to pay for student loan forgiveness. Why don't we have the actual institution itself that got the kids into debt tap into, I don't know, Harvard's $56 billion endowment to maybe pay a little bit for the suffering these kids are now feeling? Well, and the fact is, having gone through this whole student loan process and Pell Grant process, every time the government puts in more money, the cost has gone up. If I remember correctly, higher education costs have risen faster than the cost of health care. Yes, that's right. And there's a couple reasons for it, because everything we do with higher education is at war with the laws of economics. Everything from who actually pays to deferred cost to vetting of the actual person. For example, if I'm a straight A student from the suburbs of Dallas and I want to go to University of Texas, Austin, and I took all AP classes, but I want to take out student loans, I will get the same student loan interest rate as someone who is maybe a questionable student that's not very passionate when they want to go study North African lesbian poetry. And so the issue is that when you have a model that treats every single student the same, well, then who's on the hook then? The American taxpayer is. So you're right. The more the government has got involved, the more Pell Grants, the more loans that have been distributed, the more the cost of college goes, because the question really remains. It's the only operative economics question. Why would college ever lower their tuition? Because kids are coming in with the backing of the full faith and credit of the United States government, local loans. This is interesting. Since the passage of Obamacare, Basically, there is not a private student loan market anymore. It's been completely nationalized. Now, it was on its way, but it was a provision of Obamacare many people didn't know about. And it used to be in the 70s, 80s, or 90s, you had to go to a local community bank. You had to look a banker in the eye. They asked for your tests. They asked, hey, how are you going to pay this off? What are you studying? They asked for your scores, your grades. Now you can go $45,000 in debt in 15 minutes or less at FAFSA.gov. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. (laughs) 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. I'm curious, when you look at the fights you're in the middle of, and you look at the scale of what you're taking on, would you call yourself an optimist or a pessimist? You know, I get asked this question a lot. I force myself into optimism. I have to, or else why would I be doing all of this, right? But here's where the exciting moment is that I know for certain that our defeat is not a guarantee. And that's what gives me hope. And so people ask me, Charlie, are you optimistic or pessimistic? If I were to say I was pessimistic, then everyone listening would say, oh, I shouldn't do anything because Charlie said we're going to lose. If I said I was nothing but optimistic, people would say, I have to do anything because Charlie thinks we're going to win. I think that it's to be determined. It's solely and completely on our action, our dedication. But I will say there is so much fight left in the American people. I think that there is a vast underestimation of how hard the normal everyday American is willing to fight for this country. That's my greatest source of optimism. So from your standpoint, patriotism is at the core of all this. Yes, it's love of country. You know, I went on a very liberal podcast recently and they laughed at me because they couldn't believe what I said. They said, what should really the goal of civics education be? I said, gratitude. A nation that does not have gratitude for the sacrifices made prior to the existence of the structure of the country you're living in, then why wouldn't you want to revolutionize it? And so patriotism is at its core, but you cannot be patriotic if you are not thankful. And we live in the greatest nation ever to exist in the history of the world. And one of my goals is to try to educate as many students as possible, thankful and then willing to commit to do something about it. So from your standpoint, I mean, you now have a national organization. You have a national reputation. You've been very successful with books. How do you win this fight? I just want to play my role. You know, it's really interesting you mentioned that. I gave the opening speech at the Student Action Summit, and I challenged the audience to reframe how you view yourself in America. And this is very provocative, but I believe we must now think as if we are dissidents in our own country, that the left is now an invading, occupying force, and that we have to think of ourselves as how do you decouple an invasion or an occupation? 
And that means we have to outlast them. We have to outthink them. We have to outwork them. We have to outcreate them. We have to use humor. We have to use innovation. But let's be honest, though. They outnumber us just with how many institutions they control. We outnumber them with people, and we have the truth, and we have, I think, the greatest country ever to exist. That's a 50-50 fight. Who knows how it's going to end up? But I'll tell you, when you're around 5,000 kids for a couple days, and they're dedicated, and they're fired up, they're like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. We got a lot more fight in us than I think the left even realizes. I can't quite imagine how much energy 5,000 students gathered from the whole country coming together to meet each other. I mean, the the level of just social interaction and excitement, that must be unbelievable. It's on fire. It's electric. You know, I always get a kick out of President Trump when he comes to our events. He says, how many people? How big is the crowd? I said, it's huge. I said, but it's not about the number. I said, Mr. President, with all due respect, the decibel per person at our event is going to be much more than a MAGA rally. And afterwards, he says, that's the loudest crowd. I said, yeah, they're 17, 18 years old. For example, you got a guy in the front row. He goes to Brown. He doesn't get a chance to scream about his politics very often, right? Maybe get screamed at. And so the energy is electric. It's invigorating. And I think there's something really profound and special happening in this country. And the media is missing it. They're intentionally missing it. It will materialize in the next couple elections. And I think in the next 10 years, you're going to see the fruit of this movement in more ways than one. You now have both a college campus approach with all these students. You also have sort of watching the school boards. Would it be your hope to literally ultimately be on every single campus in the country? Yeah. So there's 27,000 high schools across the country. And now this drives my team nuts when I say this, because we're on pace for a thousand high school chapters. And I said, well, what's our plan to get to 10,000? Why not? What's our plan to get to 15,000? And we have to think bigger. There's no reason why we can't think the way the left did. Now, we'll get censored and we'll get pushed back. But there is this massive untapped potential. And this is kind of one of the laws of economics that Milton Friedman used to talk about, which is it's not a fixed pie. And this was one of the things that people told me when I first started Turning Point. Charlie, every young conservative has already been identified. This has all been done before. You can actually create more and you can persuade people and you can grow the pie and get people that otherwise were not involved, involved. And so you could grow your ranks. And so our goal right now is 1,000 high school chapters. We're going to hit it soon, and then 5,000, then 10,000, and we'll see where we go next. Do you find it harder to grow chapters, for example, at historically black campuses? That's very tough. Yeah, we've tried a lot. We have some amazing Turning Point USA leaders there. Now, I will say this. Schools that are predominantly Latino are some of our most vibrant and exciting chapters. For example, Florida International University in Miami is one of our strongest Turning Point USA chapters in the country. University of Texas El Paso, UTEP, one of the largest chapters in the country. HBCUs, far more difficult. There is a cultural expectation that you will be at best moderate, but almost a card-carrying liberal Democrat. I agree with you on the data I'm seeing. Something has happened in the Latino culture where they have reached a conclusion that the left is bad for them. That's right. And I think it's a little different than how most people are observing it. I think social issues are what's driving it. I really do. In particular, the destruction of the traditional archetype of the strong male and of the motherly female. That is embedded in Latino culture. That is a fundamental value of a strong family. So when they hear someone that gets up on Capitol Hill 
and says they think men can become pregnant. As you said on my program, Newt, that's just weird. In fact, I mean, beyond weird, but a Latino came up to me and he said something incredible, a young Latino activist. He said, Charlie, when I hear a white liberal tell me men can become pregnant, I feel like it's Christopher Columbus bringing poison blankets to us. I said, that's a little aggressive, but that's the way they look at it. White woke imperialism. Well, and then when you think about it, in that particular culture, to talk about birthing persons instead of mothers is a violation of the entire culture. And not only that, the language. I mean, in Spanish language, they conjugate verbs of masculine and feminine. I mean, just to say that all genders are the same. Good luck, you know, Manhattan liberals. I think there's, there's something so historical. I believe in the next five years, if we don't massively screw it up, Hispanics will be a predominantly Republican voting bloc. Oh, I think that's right. And I have to say that Callisto won't let me do it, but I want to actually do an alternative version of Genesis in which God invents man and woman, and then he invents sort of man and sort of woman. And then he goes through like the 62 different pronouns. And the poor snake gets exhausted carrying apples around to all of these various strange people and finally says, enough already. Can we just go back to man and woman? Yeah, that's right. That would definitely get people's attention. And I'll tell you that you look at kind of the Hispanic culture being predominantly Catholic and Christian, this idea of post-birth abortion, widespread transgenderism, it is moving the dial, not to mention the small business culture, inflation and all that. So, you know, it's amazing, Mr. Speaker, at our event, our Turning Point USA event, I got to tell you, it was at least 20 to 30 percent Hispanic, Asian you know, Nicaraguan. Yeah. Well, I had the same experience. I went to the Faith and Freedom big meeting, about 3,000 people. A thousand of them were Latino. I mean, it was just an astonishing turnout. Yes. And it's happening at every level of the socioeconomic ladder. And it's the exact opposite. They told us Donald Trump would be the death of the Republican Party and that it would only be white men. And it's actually more diverse than ever. Yep. It's a remarkable time. I want to thank you for joining me. As you know, I'm a big fan of yours. I think what you're achieving is truly historic. You're one of the major fulcrums on which this culture will save itself. And I think your new book, The College Scam, How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of America's Youth, it's a must read for anyone concerned about what is happening on our college campuses. And for anyone who'd like to find out more about Turning Point USA, you can go to tpusa.com. And we will have on our show page to how to buy the book. So I'm delighted that you would take time to be with us. I always love doing your show. And I look forward to being with you again. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. One last note. Try to not give money to Amazon. CollegeScam.com goes straight there. Thank you so much, Mr. Speaker. We appreciate it. Thank you to my guest, Charlie Kirk. You can get a link to buy his new book, The College Scam, on our show page at NewtsWorld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.